Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So what did we learn from Florida's win over Miami last week? And we've got another big week of college football. It all starts tonight with Georgia Tech at Clemson. Of course, Friday night, USF is hosting Wisconsin at Raymond James Stadium. And then on Saturday, weather permitting, Florida State is going to host Boise State in Jacksonville and college game days in Arlington for Auburn and Oregon State. And to help us break all of that down, we're going to have Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times, our college football writer, join us on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstnick. Hey, folks, it's still hot out there. That means you're running your AC all the time. You know what that means? You've got some really high electric bills. Mine have been consistently over $300, and, folks, that's just too much money. So if you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like many other solar companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor. They've got a full showroom that's open weekdays, and you can see their products. And May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years. Now, they've earned a great reputation with their customers and their peers. There's a lot of other solar companies out there imitating them and trying to use their great name. But remember... May Electric Solar does not use subcontractors, and they do not subcontract for any company in any way. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. Let's stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills and start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862, and if you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019, just a few months left, by changing to solar energy. Call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. Uh, this is, I guess, week one in college football, week zero being last week. It begins, I guess, tonight, Georgia Tech's at Clemson. And, of course, on Friday, big game USF and Wisconsin at Raymond James. Florida State's going to take on Boise State in Jacksonville, weather permitting, of course. And then Auburn and Oregon are in Arlington, Texas. That's where you'll find College game day, and we find Matt Baker with us right now. Matt, I wanted to start by backing up a little bit uh, to last week with the Florida and Miami game. Of course, uh, great ratings on television for that one, but not such a great played game, a well played game. I thought, you know, obviously no. Florida, Florida with some some egregious uh, tackling and of course penalties late in that game. Um, I, first of all, give me your impression of of just sort of what we saw. Uh, you know, was, was were you surprised at all by Miami's competitiveness? Was was Florida just just having a bad night? What 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 happened there? Well, I'll start with this, and thanks for having me on. I'm still processing what I saw, especially the last <laughs> five minutes, which uh, it was. I've seen some bad football. I, you know, the, I, I covered a Northwestern Eastern Michigan game on a Friday night in college <laughs> at that Ford qualifies. Field. Yeah, yeah like. There was like eight people at Ford Field, which is obviously you know cavernous where the, the Lions play. So I've seen some bad football. That this was just a comedy of errors where you, know, I mean, you just you don't even know what's going on. 
didn't Miami convert it on like fourth and 39 or 34 <laughs> yeah. because of a pass interference and there's a fumble and nobody wants it. And um, so yeah. I'm still processing what all happened. Um, but the game was closer than I thought. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is I, I definitely think there was just obviously some week zero jitters, week zero sloppiness. Um, Miami's defensive, you know, I knew Miami's defense was going to be good. But I think it might be even a little bit better than what I expected. Or, or maybe a better way to say that is I thought it would regress a little bit more considering the pieces it lost right. last year. But it didn't necessarily show that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought Jaron Williams, their quarterback, played pretty darn well, all things considered. I mean, he was running for his life pretty much the entire game. Um, yep. Ten sacks, some of which were on him. Um, but I thought he did pretty darn well. And I thought, man, he handled the situation. I mean, just big picture handled things uh, very well for his first time as a head coach. And uh, on the Florida side, I, I thought Florida's offensive line, I knew was going to have some issues. And I think we're going to see more of that for the Gators this year, um, just because they, you know, they had to replace four starters and the talent and competitive depth isn't quite there yet. So you kind of put all that together. And I mean, I don't want to uh, poo poo too much because F- Florida still beat Miami and Miami, I yep. think is still going to be a top, 35 top 40 team maybe with a chance to be better than that who knows um so yeah it, i don't want to poo-poo florida beating miami because that's still a, a big accomplishment but uh saw some things that were a little concerning um kind of long term for for florida if they're not addressed yeah the offensive line was certainly a problem but but you know you mentioned um sort of the sloppiness i and i did i tweeted this out i don't don't know the answer to this i'm not being funny maybe you do um, but I know in the NFL, you know, there's uh, d- during the uh, off season, there's there's very little contact. Um, coaches are afraid to really tackle to the ground, and and early in in the season, you'll see some poor tackling. Um, you know, there's no preseason in college football other than right. whatever scrimmages against each other you may have. So, I mean, what is the landscape of college football with respect to you know injuries are obviously a concern. How I mean. Could that account for why we saw so many missed tackles? Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, I mean, teams across the country have certainly cut back on the amount of contact that they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're not doing a lot of the full contact stuff anymore. Um, you know, we don't, Florida doesn't let us into a lot of their, their practices certainly now, so I don't have a good gauge on how much sure, full contact sure. stuff they're doing. Um, so that certainly could be an issue. Again, it could also just be, week zero jitters getting the bugs out um and and some of it too is is you give credit to the guys on offense i mean Kadarius tony the the 60 yard touchdown that that he had i mean he's just a really electric player and Mm -hmm. you're gonna have some of that so yeah i I think some of it is could be maybe just the fundamentals aren't quite there early on and and obviously you know teams would would love uh or coaches i should say would love more contact and, and more hitting and more time with the players, but they don't necessarily get that. You know, we saw uh, you wrote about the good, bad, and the ugly, and, and certainly there was a little bit of all of that. But, you know, Florida at one point, um, before they started making the egregious pass interference penalties, had a chance to sort of salt the game away with about four minutes to play. They call a pass, I think, on first down, and Felipe Franks yep. throws just an egregious interception. That's the bad of Felipe Franks, but you also saw – um, him lead his team down and 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 take the lead with a with a great throw down the field. So, this is sort of who he was a little bit uh, early last year, right? This is who he is at, at this point. You know, <laughs> right. it, talking talking to some of my colleagues in the media after the game, it, 
Felipe is very much a either glass half full, glass half empty guy because you can yeah. view how, him however you want. That's a Martin Finley line that I'm stealing. Um, it, just talking to people in the press box and, and in the elevators and everything, he, he was that 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 last interception was really bad. In, in addition yeah. to the the other pick that he threw and the the fumble on the the zone read that you know could have made it a 14-3 game early on. So yeah. th- there was some there's some bad there, but he he did also throw. A sixty it was a sixty-five yard bomb to Josh Hammond, an NFL caliber elite throw. Then complete yeah. another pass, then complete another pass, then rush for the game-winning touchdown to beat Miami. Like th- those were all mm-hmm. things that happened. So we can again, we can kind of poo-poo his performance as a whole, but but he also scored the game-winning touchdown to beat Miami. So and I think it's where, where I am with Felipe is this: you have to accept the fact that this is who he is. It, you know he's he's been a starter for for two plus seasons now for the most part. He's going to make some really bad decisions. He's going to make some throws that are not good. He's going to have some some accuracy issues, but he's also going to run pretty hard. Um, and, and he's going to make a couple throws or a handful of throws a game that are wow, really impressive throws. There's going to be good, bad, and ugly. I think at this point, I I, I think Florida fans were thinking Dan Mullen, quarterback whisperer, year two, all this development, and maybe there still will be. But until proven otherwise, yeah. I think this is just who Felipe Franks is. Well, you might be right. Um, Manny Diaz, I thought, uh, like you said, Miami was ready to play. They're very fast uh, defense. Jerron Williams, I thought, played okay. But, but And maybe this is because it's, again, game one. But there were some procedural things, some sideline things, some timeouts, uh, delay of games. Is that to be expected, uh, you think, with a new, with a new coach in the program? Yeah, I, I think some of those things. Again, it, it's it's not even week one; it's week zero. I think some of that stuff is gonna is gonna come up. Either maybe Manny wasn't listen. You know, Manny hadn't been in that situation before. Maybe he didn't have all of his ducks in a row there, and making sure mm. he he and his staff know how to handle all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. You know, if if it's uh, if these things are still happening in week twelve, like it was happening with uh, with Willie at Florida State last year, exactly. Yeah. Then 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 let let's talk about it. But I think at this point, I'm willing to excuse it as week zero jitters and early season bugs for everybody. Right. Exactly. Well, we've got a full slate of college games. Uh, of course, uh, it starts tonight with Georgia Tech at Clemson. Uh, I would think USF fan might be watching that <clears> one closely because that's their next opponent. And USF starting out with two Power 5 teams. Of course, on Friday, they host Wisconsin. Um, You know, Wisconsin obviously has a Heisman Trophy candidate, maybe the favorite to win the Heisman. This game is sold out if you uh, eliminate the upper deck, which they're going to do, or very close to a sellout. Some some 42,000 might be there. Uh, The atmosphere is going to be great, Matt. I I mean, I think this is a great opportunity for USF, but I also think that that Wisconsin is going to be a, a pretty formidable opponent for them. Absolutely. Can we back up to Thursday for a second real fast? Absolutely. Because, uh, Georgia Tech-Clemson, as you mentioned, is, is the, the big game. Uh, Jeff Collins, um, the former Florida and UCF assistant, making his debut as Georgia Tech's head coach. I don't think he's going right. to be able to beat Clemson. I, don't, I think that's a, a really long process. So mm-hmm. I think your best game of the night, UCLA-Cincinnati, by the way. Uh, UCLA is playing yeah. at Cincinnati. Uh, Chip Kelly, the almost one-time Bucks coach, trying to get things mm. going with the Bruins against Cincinnati, who might be the best team in the AAC this year. Mm-hmm. So that's if if you're a USF fan or just a college football game, that's that's the game to watch tonight. Um, 
But as far as USF Wisconsin, I mean, yeah, the, the big thing is obviously going to be how the Bulls stop Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he's got a chance in three years to become, you know, over a three-year career to rush for more yards than anybody in the history of the NCAA has rushed in for. Um, and some of that is his offensive line has always been really good because that's kind of what you think of with the Badgers. But some of it is he's just a really, really good player. He's he's pretty big. He's hard to bring down. He's got some speed to him. He's got really good balance. Um, you kind of put all that stuff together, and you know he's certainly one of the. You know, when I did my All America AP All America team uh, in the preseason, Jonathan Taylor is one of the first names you put down because there's not even a discussion that he's one of the two top running backs in the country. It's and it's not even close. So yeah, USF and how uh, the defense you know struggled at times last year under Charlie Strong more so than I would have expected, and this is going to be a big test for them early on uh, against that Badgers front and that really really good running back in Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, and I think I think offensively will be the thing to watch. I mean, clearly they they're going to have to stop the run and, and and improve their defense. That's what let them down last year. But I'm I am anxious to see what Kerwin Bell will do. Uh, you know, with that with that scheme, and 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 I think I think USF will look different and and presumably you know play well on offense. Yeah, how Kerwin Bell's offense looks is something I'm really curious to see. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's had a ton of success where he's been. You don't win a national championship at any level by accident, and obviously that's what he was able to do at Valdosta State. And there's good pieces with USF. Again, we've talked about this before, but Blake Barnett is an NFL-caliber quarterback, I think. I mean, just that how highly touted he was in high school, his arm strength and everything. He's a, he's a very good player. And you add in some of the guys like Jordan Cronkite, you know, a former Gator, um, who's got a ton of talent. Uh, curious to see uh, the awesomely named Eddie McDoom, uh, with their, uh, Michigan transfer. So they've got some 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 players there. I'm curious to see how Kerwin puts them all together. And, and of course, Mitchell Wilcox, the, the tight end, who only needs I think it's four uh, passes or four catches uh, this year to become the uh, the Bulls' all-time leading receiver as a tight end. Yeah, good story in the Tampa Bay Times uh, column. Uh, if you get a chance to read it yesterday, on by Martin Fenley on Mitch Wilcox, and of course he was the guy um, that fumbled the ball away in that uh, exciting what was it, forty nine forty two game against UCF a, a few years ago, and rebounded and, and is uh, is poised to maybe be even as as high as a as a first round draft pick. We'll see how that goes, um, but decided to stay at USF, and um, he's certainly a weapon a weapon for them. Uh, the plan is, uh, weather permitting, we don't know what this tropical storm or hurricane is going to do, Matt. Uh, that, that affects you directly, I know, because Florida State is going to play Boise State on Saturday. That game is in Jacksonville. So, uh, first of all, I, I don't suppose we have any weather updates as we, as we tape this podcast, which is uh, you know fairly early on Wednesday. Um, but that aside, you know, Florida State names James Blackman uh, their starting quarterback. Let's start there. Uh, any surprise to you? They had, uh, obviously, the transfer from Wisconsin, Alex Horningbrook. No, not at all. I mean, I, I, I thought it was Blackman's job the entire time. You know, the, the fact is, he's stayed loyal to FSU. I mean, what he did in, in 17 when DeAndre Francois got hurt was pretty darn admirable, admirable to, to come in as a true freshman. And he didn't, wow, he wasn't out of this world good or anything like that. But he played pretty well all things considered and, and uh yeah. you know the way he still stuck around when, when francois got the starting job last year back and there are you know people around the program will question whether that was the right decision or not so yeah i expected him to be the guy just because of his familiarity 
the system, with the program, with his teammates. And really, that's what Willie Taggart said it came down to, is that the team kind of has Blackman's back. And I think some of that's because he's been there for a while and has stuck around and is a, developed into a pretty good leader. So, yeah, no surprise there for me. You know, the offensive line, I think, is going to be what everybody's going to be watching in this game. And it's a good thing because Boise State – has a pretty good uh, edge rusher in Curtis Weaver. I guess this guy has 20 and a half career sacks. So I suppose I'll have to start there and try to address address the offensive line and the protection for Blackman. Yeah, I mean, FSU's offensive line was the story of last year just because they were historically bad. I mean, in the last or since 2009, I think there's been 11 teams that were gave up as many tackles for loss and sacks as they did, 11 Power 5 teams. Um, so it, it was historically bad. There's reasons that to, to be optimistic it will get better. And, and one reason why, and I don't say this trying to be cute or anything, is that it's hard to see it getting worse. Um, you're you're going to progress to the mean. But there's also some other things. I mean, Ryan Roberts, the transfer from NIU as a starter at right tackle. Um, D- Dante Lucas coming in as the, the freshman from IMG. So there's some reasons to think that there's going to be better. And the continuity, too, with, with an offensive coordinator and an offensive line coach who know each other well and have worked together before. But, yeah, if this line struggles or if this line doesn't have its act together, that's going to be obvious really early. I mean, Curtis Weaver is getting some first-round buzz as an edge rusher from Boise State. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Broncos have a lot of talent up front. And again, depending on the weather and everything, let's say it is raining, which wouldn't be outlandish to think. That could make things kind of sloppier. And maybe, I don't know if that benefits the line or hurts the line. And yeah, it, it's uh, it, it, all the focus is, to me is going to be on the offensive line and how they do week one. The Broncos have, have always been good on offense. In the last four years, they had a quarterback who everybody's familiar with his name, Brett Ripien, of course. Um, but now they have another guy that uh, should get Florida State's attention. Yeah, absolutely. Hank Bachmeyer was a four-star recruit in high school, top 250 prospect in the country. And depending on what metrics you use, he might be the highest recruited or highest uh, ranked recruit Boise State has ever had. So he's going to wow. start immediately as a true freshman. I think he's that talented. To me, when you look at Boise, you know, a 10-1 team last year. Um, a, a good amount of, of talent that returned, especially on defense. The only question was at quarterback. So we'll see how, how Bachmeyer does in, in his first game. Um, I, I just hope that the game gets played. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember uh, that there was a, a bowl game at the, at, at the, not the Cotton Bowl, but the game that is actually at the, the physical Cotton Bowl in Dallas, the first responders bowl that got stormed out last year. Bo- Boise mm-hmm. State was supposed to be playing in that one. So I oh. hope it's not two in a row that the Broncos get uh, get stormed out. Yeah, that's something to watch for sure. And uh, I, I don't—I mean, at this point, I don't know. You know, like I said, we're still days away from knowing where, where, or if that that hurricane will strike the state of Florida. But it certainly seems to be trending north. And you know, that that game was moved from Tallahassee to Jacksonville, so it's it's not easy to move college football games in a day or so. So I'm not sure that, uh, that they'll be able to do much about it if it does 
does make landfall. So keep an eye on that. Certainly Matt will as well. Uh, okay, so uh, you, you write in your column, and this is true, that there's going to be if, – if I'm an NFL scout, I'm heading to Arlington, Texas, because I want to watch this Auburn and Oregon game, and that's because Oregon has their quarterback, Justin Herbert. Really, uh, you, you know, he's one of, of maybe three guys, Matt, that could go in the top five at quarterback in the NFL draft next year. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert's, uh, you know, very, very talented. He's got kind of the arm strength and looks the part. I was a little surprised that he returned because, again, mm-hmm. there was talk about him being a potential yeah. number one pick or, or certainly up there. Um, but, again, he is back, and I'm curious to see how he does against this Auburn team because, first of all, no one has any idea what to think of Auburn ever because whatever you think is going to be, it's going to be the exact opposite. Um, <laughs> but but Auburn's got a really, really good defensive line, maybe the best in the country, led by uh, – tackle Derek Brown so I'm curious to see how how uh, how they kind of match up and uh, on the other side of it um, I'm curious on, on how Auburn's offense looks it, again they've got a really experienced offensive line too but a, a true freshman starting quarterback in Bo Nix I'm higher on Gus Malzahn than I think a lot of people are um, just because I mean I think offensively he's been a genius with what he's done over his career you know, he yeah. when he was at the University of Tulsa as the offensive coordinator, he had a 5,000 yard passer in Paul Smith. And when he was at Arkansas with, with uh, McFadden and Felix Jones, he was doing wildcat and running all the time. And then obviously what he did as the OC at Auburn with, with Cam Newton. So he, he's been able to kind of tweak things based on the personnel that he has, which to me is a sign of a good coach. And now he's got a true freshman quarterback. Um, but he has taken over the, the play calling reins again. So this is kind of Gus is going to sink or swim with his ability to call plays, and we'll see what it is early on against a pretty darn good Oregon team. Yeah, helps to have the quarterback, uh, even if he is a true freshman in, in Bo Nix. So at one of the games that uh, you know I was reading about that you, you wrote in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com um, is is this this Houston uh, against against number four Oklahoma, which of course I'm anxious to see Oklahoma, you know, for starters. Is all they do is uh, is pump out Heisman Trophy candidates at quarterback, and they got one that could do that again. Um, but Dana Hogerson is is somebody that's you know pretty well known. I mean, he leaves West Virginia and and, and goes goes to Houston. What what can we expect from the Cougars? <laughs> Dana is just such a weird cat. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I covered him at, when he was the OC at Oklahoma State. He, he spent the entire year, as I recall, living in a hotel because he didn't want you know. Didn't want to get a house. Wasn't sure how long he was going to be there. Plus, you know, housekeeping kind of come in, make his bed every day, all that good stuff. <laughs> he just he's just his own animal. Um, so the, the idea of going from a power five to a G five, he doesn't care about that because he's I think he's more of a Texas guy than than a West Virginia guy, and he's going to be in a very good G five uh, school that's been putting some money into their to their resources, and obviously there's a bunch of talent in that area, and and if the con- if and when conference realignment, the carousel starts spinning again, Houston's going to be in a good position to move up. Um, but kind of how it relates to the game uh, on Sunday against OU, you know, he's, uh, Dana's got a really, really good quarterback, too, and, and Derek Keene, who's you know, kind of Quentin Flowersy with his ability to, to, to run and to make throws. Um, he's actually a f- funny story. He was the, um, went to Manville, Texas, and he was the starter uh, ahead of Kyle Trask, who ended up uh, being a three-star recruit and signing with the Gators. So 
Uh, that's the reason why Kyle Trask has been a backup for a really long time because he was behind an elite, elite high school quarterback in Derek King. So I, I think there could be potential to be a whole lot of points in, in that one. And I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think Oklahoma wins. You know, Jalen Hurts is the Bama transfer quarterback who is going to do really w- good things there in Norman. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Cougars hung around uh, against OU and made a, a case and a real have a real shot of winning the AAC this year. Well, some interesting openers for some AAC teams. Of course, uh, you mentioned UCLA and, and Cincinnati. This game, UCF or USF, I'm sorry, in Wisconsin. Uh, one thing about the AAC, uh, Matt, they're getting rid of division play. Uh, when is this going to happen, and what does that mean for for those teams? Yeah, so obviously UConn is is leaving. Um, so they're going to go from 12 down to 11, and what they've decided to do is get rid of the divisions starting next year once UConn is gone. I'm curious to see how it will actually end up working, um, whether it's it's pods or, or whatever else. But this is, I think this is a really good thing, uh, and I'll tell you why. If you look at the way, certainly like the SEC is, the teams, <laughs> like A&M, that's not a good example. Um, Ole Miss and Florida are, yeah, they're in the same conference, but only kind of because it's not like they play each other regularly. You've got situations yeah. where, um, te- you know, a, a guy in Florida will go his entire career without playing a team in his conference, let alone being able to play there just because of the way the rotations work. And that's mm-hmm. that's stupid. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a, a, if a kid signs with 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 Arkansas, you should have a chance to play Florida and a chance to go to the swamp and, and that sort of thing. Cause sure. that's part of what's, what's cool about it. So mm-hmm. I'm glad the AAC is doing this. Some of it, I think it's a little bit of necessity, but I think it's a good thing that they're willing to try this. And again, we'll see what the, what the, the details look like once they get them sussed out. Um, but I think it's a really good thing and can set up a, to set up an important conference championship game where their two best teams have a chance to play each other. Not necessarily the two best, you know, one on each side, but the two best teams get to play each other, which will be a good win for somebody that could help them either cement themselves as the top group of five team for, for the New Year's Six Bowl, or depending on the season, depending on the teams, have a, have another nice quality win that could help them try and get in the playoff. All right, Matt, before I get your predictions, uh, I love because uh, something is always archived there, but this uh, sort of press conference that Nick Saban had back in December many years ago, 2014, was sort of rehashed. There, there's always a lot of criticism out there when somebody does something wrong everybody wants to know how you're going to punish the guy All right, but there's not enough for 19 and 20 year old kids people out there saying why don't you give them another chance alright so I'm going to give a speech right now about this like where do you want them to be guy makes a mistake where, where, where do you want them to be you want them to be in the street or do you want them to be here graduating? You know, when I was over there at the Nagurski, Musin Muhammad, who played 15 years for the Carolina Panthers, played for me at Michigan State. Everybody in the school, every newspaper guy, everybody was killing a guy because he got in trouble and said there's no way he should be on our team. I didn't kick him off the team. I suspended him. I made him do stuff. He graduated from Michigan State. He played 15 years in the league. He's a president of a company now. And he has seven children, and his oldest daughter goes to Princeton. So who was right? 
I feel strong about this now, really strong. All right, about all the criticism out there of every guy that's 19 years old that makes a mistake and you all kill him. And then some people won't stand up for him. So my question to you is, where do you want him to be? You want to condemn him? To a life sentence? Or do you want the guy to have his children going to Princeton? I know Florida's going through a lot of situations with their players. Um, not talking about domestic violence per se, uh, but I generally sort of generally agree with Nick in that, you know, some of these minor drug offenses, things like this, that, that sometimes we, you know, as a society or maybe fans might be a little too quick to, to try to, you know, want to exact some kind of punishment or suspension or expulsion from, from programs. You've written a lot of stories about, about programs, obviously Florida State and Florida, and, and, and every, every program will have its run, guys that run afoul of the law. Just in general, what, you know, when you saw that come back up again, uh, what, what's your reaction to, to Saban's approach to that? I think it's really easy to say those things if you're not talking about specifics because right. the, the devil's always in the details. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody gets a parking ticket or goes 36 and a 35, should, should they be kicked off the team? No, of course not. And then on the right. other end of it, if somebody commits double murder, should they be allowed on the team? No, of course not. So mm-hmm. those are obviously the most extreme examples, but there's a ton of gray in the middle. And, and yes. obviously you, you know, Nick's responsibility is to do what he thinks is best for the program and what's, mm-hmm. what's best for the player and to balance the two as best as possible. Um, the other thing that has to be included here too, is what's best for the community. Um, you know, certainly if it's a, a, a drug offense or something like that, you'd, I think you'd try and get the person help um, if, if they need it, depending on, on what it is, and, and, and mm-hmm. go from there. But if it's some sort of violent situation, yes, Nick has a responsibility to, the, again, the player and to his program, but there's also a responsibility to everybody else on campus uh, right. to, to do the right to do right by them. Because if you are if you bring somebody on that either maybe, you know, has had issues in the past or issues mm-hmm. arise, then and you, you keep them around campus and you're putting other people in danger. That's why we have jails. That's why we have prisons. Right. So, mm-hmm. again, I, I hate to kind of be wishy-washy here, but the, the, it's, it all depends on the exact situation. And that's why I think to a large degree, all these things have to be handled on a case by case basis doing what's right for the, the program and the player, yes, but also making sure you're doing what's right for all the other thousands and thousands of, of students and students at the university and people in that community. Yeah, it's definitely can become a, a public safety issue as well as uh, just you know discipline for, for a student athlete. All right, let me get your uh, predictions now We uh, you know as we start what is now week one of the college football season. Um, let's, let's just go with uh, – you know who you think the champions are going to be in the in the Power Five conferences? Well, Clemson's the easiest one. Uh, I think that's right. a slam dunk. I'd be shocked if they don't win it. I went on a, a slight limb and and I've picked Georgia to to beat Bama to win the SEC, just okay. because. Again, I mean, I think your national champion is going to be either Clemson, Georgia, or Bama. I'll take them. You take the field. I agree. Um, so. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm not going out on a limb, but I think Georgia has played Bama close, so close the last couple times. I think eventually 
it's going to catch up and the breaks are going to go Georgia's way. The bounce is going to go to them. The call is going to go to them. Something is going to happen or they're not going to do a, a stupid fake punch or something like that. So I, I think, you know, that stuff adds up and I've got Georgia winning the SEC, but Bama still in the playoff. Big 10, I think I like Ohio State, but I don't feel great about it. Uh, you know, I, Justin Fields is obviously a, an elite, elite recruit, but I haven't seen it on the field yet. So until I see it on the field, I'm going to be a little bit skeptical. And same with Ryan Day as a first-time, full-time head coach. Uh, right. In the Big 12, I, I, I'm going all chalk, I know, but this is really boring. But um, I think, I don't know why you would pick against Oklahoma. You know, uh, Lincoln Riley's done a fantastic job there. And just as you as we talked about earlier, loses one you know, one transfer quarterback to get another mm-hmm. great transfer quarterback to get another great transfer quarterback. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I feel pretty good about the Sooners there. Not quite. I'm a little bit lower on most people than Texas. And I don't think like Iowa State is ready to to make a run there. The Pac-12 is tougher because I could see Oregon winning it. I could see Washington winning it. I could see Utah winning it. But yeah. but right now, I, I think I pick Washington just because I have more faith in them and what Chris Peterson and uh, one-time uh, former Bucks assistant Jimmy Lake, what what they've been doing there over the last few years. I have a little bit more faith in them. Uh, I'm really curious to see how Jacob Eason, the former Georgia quarterback, does there now as the, the starter with the Huskies. Um, and they lose a good amount, but I think by the end of the year, I think they're going to be the, the, the top in the Pac-12. But they, uh, so I'll take them, but I don't feel great about that one. Lee Corso, uh, who we all know, has Utah as one of his final four teams. Utes are going to be good. I mean, I, I'm not pumping them for the playoff, but but they're going to be really good. Uh, they always seem to have a really good defensive front, and this might be the best one that Kyle Whittingham's had there. He's Matt Baker, and uh, Matt is going to try to effort his way all the way to Jacksonville for the Florida State-Boise State game. You can read him on TampaBay.com. Matt, go check the Doppler radar for me, will you? <laughs> you got it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, my thanks to Matt. Uh, we've got, of course, tonight the Bucks are in Dallas for their final preseason game. We'll break all of that down for you on Friday. The Rays have an afternoon game to wrap up their series against the Houston Astros. And college football is back with 16 games on the schedule tonight. Georgia Tech is at Clemson. But also, as Matt said, keep an eye out for UCLA at Cincinnati. And, folks, remember now, uh, if you want to save some money on your electric bill, Let's switch to solar energy. Call my friends at May Electric Solar. They're a locally owned company. Uh, You can start saving 90 to 95% off your electric bill right now. Give these folks a call. If you call right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 by changing to solar energy. Call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 